Today on episode number 25 of Life After Sight Loss Radio, we're talking about traveling tips for both the VIP and the sighted supporter. Welcome to Life After Sight Loss Radio, the podcast helping you discover life after sight loss. My name is Derek Daniel. I am your host and resident VIP, aka visually impaired person. Hey, if you're new to the program, welcome aboard. This is the place where we do product reviews, life advice, encouragement, how-tos, and so much more, all with the express purpose of helping individuals and families who are going through or facing physical sight loss. Hey there, guys. Welcome to today's program. We're all the way to episode number 25. That's right. We're a quarter of the way to 100. I don't know if that really matters at this point, but hey, I'm happy to be here with you and I'm happy that you're here with me and we're going to have a great time today. Hey, today on the program, I've got a very special guest joining me once again. It is my lovely and beautiful wife, April. She's coming back and we're talking about traveling tips, what it's what it's like to travel as a visually impaired person, things to consider, things you need to think about and all that good stuff. So we're going to talk. We have a great conversation coming up here on the program, so I'm really excited about it. Before we jump into that conversation, just want to let you know that you can find the show notes to today's episode at lifeaftersightloss.com slash 025. Now, those show notes are going to have images. It's got a video I talk about in the podcast linked over there that you can watch right in the show notes. It's got information and links and all the stuff you need. So hop on over to lifeaftersightloss.com slash 025 and get all the information that you ever wanted. So without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with my beautiful wife and offer up some traveling tips. Joining me again this week is my second returning guest. Sorry, honey, Sam was the first returning guest. You didn't get to be the first, but anyway, it's my beautiful wife, April. Hello, dear. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Hey, today we are going to talk about traveling as a VIP, but also with a sighted supporter as well. So this could be your spouse, this could be your kids, this could be, you know, a lot of different things. So my wife and I recently took a trip, so we're going to talk about that on today's episode. So, dear, we've gone on a lot of different trips together over the years. Uh, What's some of the things that we have done uh, and gone even with or without the kids? Well, we frequently take trips back to see our parents, so that was probably the most frequently visited place. Um, we've gone to Disney World in Orlando. Mm-hmm. We have we went to Cancun on our honeymoon. Yes. We have gone on a couple of cruises. We've never gone west yet, have we? No, we no, haven't. we haven't been west. That's our next big challenge. I think is to go west. But we've been on quite a few different things, and we've done indoor, outdoor. We've gone, you know, like to a lake and and stayed in a cabin and that sort of thing. So yep. we've had a lot of experience going out and traveling to different places together, uh, both, again, as a VIP and as a sighted supporter. So today, as we talk about it, just keep in mind that the tips, the things that we talk about today, this applies to both the person who has a limited vision and the person who has sight, because we're going to talk about it from the viewpoint of both of us and how we have experienced uh, vacation, travel, and that sort of thing. So I think, obviously, the first thing we need to talk about is sort of the prep work. 
when you go on vacation. Um, this might be a packing or figure out where you're going to go. The, the first thing is you got to figure out where you're going to go. Uh, we've actually gone through that recently. Uh, just recently, we took a trip to Disney, uh, just you and I. Yep. And then we also took a trip with uh, your parents to uh, stay in a cabin and go to a lake. So when we do some prep work, what are the things that you think about when it comes to traveling with somebody who's visually impaired and obviously we travel with kids and that sort of thing. So what are some of the things you think about when you're going to different places? First thing I think about is how much it's going to cost. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't have anything to do with a visually impaired person, but no, it's, it's <laughs> that tends to be the first thing I'm, I think about. I think the first thing I always want to drive because I know it's going to save us money. Mm. But then Derek pulls me down to reality and says, wait, you're going to have to drive the whole distance. Are you really sure you want to do that? Mm-hmm. And on top of that, then it adds a day before and after potentially, or just cuts two days off of our time at our destination because we're driving those places, especially, and this is only talking about when you can fly or drive. Mm-hmm. Um, our most recent trip when we went to the lake, it was a two hour trip. So it was definitely, we were driving it, mm-hmm. but right. speaking of Disney, that's a 14 hour drive from where we are. And to drive that is no. <laughs> yeah. I think you definitely have to, I think I did a video about this, about just giving yourself grace. If you're a sighted supporter and, you know, spending the money on the airline, if you can, obviously, you know, but spending that money and think of it as an investment in yourself because you probably are driving everywhere. Um, you know, if you have family in town or friends that can help, that's great. But a lot of times you're driving everywhere into practices or to jobs or whatever. And so if you can spend that money on taking a flight somewhere, Think of the money as an investment in yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's always the option of, you know, if you're taking vacation with a group of people. So then someone mm-hmm. could drive your vehicle while you rested for a few hours. Then you can have reprieve during those moments. But that's not usually the case with us. We tend to just go the four of us on vacation wherever we might go. So I am the only driver at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And and like she said, a lot of times we think about things that aren't sight related like money. You know, like <laughs> I think a lot of people say, "Oh, you probably had it's all focused on visual impairments." No, our lives are just we're just normal people. We think how much money is this going to cost and exactly. you know, where are we going to pay for this and where are we going to have the most fun? And obviously sometimes that comes into consideration, but when you are traveling, everybody's going to want something different. It doesn't matter if you're sighted, if you're blind, it doesn't matter. Everybody's going to want to go to the beach or want to go to a cabin or want to go to Disney World. Everybody's going to want to do something different. And so you take into consideration what people want to do and make the best decision you can based on finances and other things. But it's not all centered around visual impairment. Obviously, today we're talking about those things. But just keep in mind that your family, your friends, whatever, you're going to do these things not based around you being visually impaired or your partner being visually impaired. So in the prep work, obviously, then you, okay, so you make your decision and maybe we'll talk a little more about, you know, how we make decisions later, but you make the decision. Then obviously the next thing is the planning and the packing. Now the packing is a huge issue. And again, I think this is something where it's a lot less because I'm visually impaired and just a lot more because my wife is more organized than I am. Uh, I would say you do 98% of the packing. I do. (laughs) I do. But I'm also a person who likes to be overly prepared. So Mm. a lot of times when I'm packing, I get stressed out about it because I want to make sure I have everything that I need or that we might need. And then half the time we don't use those extra things that I packed. So again, doesn't really have anything to do with your vision impairment. It has to do with 
my need to be overly prepared. Well, and I think that's actually a good thing because many a time, even though we don't use everything, many times it's like, oh, I'm glad we had that. You know, maybe uh, uh, something in a first aid kit or a snack or something. It's like, I'm so glad we had that. It's like, did you bring this? Oh, thank God you brought this because I would have, <laughs> like, if, if it were left up to me, you know, we wouldn't have any of this stuff. Again, not because I'm blind, just because I'm probably a dude. So um, I think that's probably what it is. But when you pack, I think she makes a good point here. Being overly prepared is important. And, you know, preparing for any situation. And some of this you take into consideration the visual impairment. Obviously, you know, you want to take your cane if you have it. Um, Even if you don't use it a ton, I don't use my cane a whole lot, but I always try to have it with me, especially when we're in airports or we're in busy situations so that, you know, mostly it's for people to recognize and say, okay, that guy's blind. I don't need to run into him or whatever the case is. You know, you want to have your cane. You want to have anything that you might need for the setting that you're going to. So if you're going to a place that's uh, got a kitchen or something, maybe you want to take some, um, you know, tools that you have in the kitchen and that way you feel a little more comfortable. Um, I think those kinds of things are important to have. Again, even if you don't end up using it, it's important. It's just kind of like having you know, multiple bottles of of sunscreen, whether you use them all or not, it's good to have or first aid kit and so forth. So, I mean, is that fair to say? Is there anything else you can think of that we take, you know, normally that we, you know, because I'm visually impaired? No, not necessarily. There's not anything that I take just for you specifically. It does come down to I'm usually packing everything that, you know, like the toiletries and things like that because those are just more difficult for you to get a handle on and make sure that you have you know enough shampoo and toothpaste and whatnot um but other than that i mean you do the bulk of your own packing i Mm -hmm. just take care of myself and the kids for the most part yeah and i think that's a good point that especially if you've just recently lost vision if you're a spouse of somebody who's lost vision it's important to remember that hey just because you're blind doesn't mean you can't do things. You know, like you need to at least pack your own stuff. <laughs> I think a lot of times we say, oh, I can't do things. I'm blind. It's like, no, sorry. Not, that excuse doesn't work in my house. So, you know, I pack, I'll, I'll at least get it all out and ready. And then if you want to put it into the suitcase, right. you know, that's kind of what you do. So uh, packing is something, just being prepared is really important. Uh, whether it's going to Disney World or the beach or any other such place, being prepared is important. So now that we pack things and we got it all ready to go. We got the 75 suitcases or whatever. Now we're actually traveling, you know? And so this could be riding in the car, taking a two or 20 hour trip, depending on if you like (laughs) to drive. Uh, But this also could be going to the airport. And so let's just kind of talk about our adventures at the airport here for just a second. I really enjoy the airport. I actually think it's one of the places that I have... Um, there's a lot of accessibility built in because you're getting so many people coming in through there. Um, I always have my cane out at the airport and that usually means I'm down a hand because I've got the cane. And so that's one thing to consider if you've got like four suitcases that you're carrying, if you have your cane out, you're going to be down one hand. So you're only going to be able to drag one suitcase or one kid at a time, you know, depending on what you got. And then your, your spouse or whomever's with you might have to take up the slack on that. So when you're packing and preparing, kind of take that in consideration and don't pack 27 suitcases. I think, how many did we have? Did we just have two on our last trip to Disney? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, so you had one and I had one and I think maybe a backpack or a purse or something like that. But we took those into consideration and they were both carry on from what I remember, weren't they? Yep. 
Yeah, so we carried them on and it was fine. Now, if you've got um, check suitcases, obviously that's going to be a different story, but keep in mind with your cane. Then when we get into security, that's an interesting thing that happens. <laughs> now, we were just talking about this earlier, but a lot of times I have found that they will jump us in a line. Like they will yeah. take us and put us into a shorter line or a different line because of the cane. And you were saying the other day about how that kind of happens. So what, what did yeah. you share how that works? So usually once we get our um, boarding passes checked with our IDs, then you get into the long line to wait, you know, 10, 20 minutes to go through security, sometimes longer than that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I tend to try to seek out a... um, TSA agent? Yes, yes. And just kind of make eye contact with them. And usually when they see me, they see what's around me. And so then they see Derek and they see his cane. And they'll usually pull us out of line to get us into those shorter lines. And that not only saves time for the people around us because we're slow, but it saves time for us as well. So we can be sure that we get through security safely. We get everything um, picked back up because everyone knows how much of a fury it is trying to get all of your things out of the basket and make sure you have everything and being out of the way for the next person and then getting to your gate on time as well. So it saves time for us. It saves time for the people behind us. And it it is really a courtesy um, for them to let us out of line and put us in a shorter line. Yeah, and and don't get us wrong. I'm not, you know, waving my cane around like, hey, let me no. in the shorter line. <laughs> you know? But I think it's just one of those moments, whether it's uh, you're in a wheelchair, you have a, a, the white cane or a dog or whatever the case is, they're probably going to let you into that shorter line. And I think what people, oh, well, they get to not wait as long. But it's like, remember, as my wife said, you don't have to wait as long because especially if we have kids, it's going to take us longer. And it's kind of like standing at the buffet. It just takes us a lot longer. That's a whole nother podcast. Yes, it so, is. <laughs> but it just takes us a while. And there's nothing wrong with that. But just kind of be aware that you might, you know, jump the line, if you will. But you're not really skipping the line. You're going to a different area and still doing security and that sort of thing. So kind of be prepared for that. And then the rest of the time, you know, you just go find your seat. The only other thing at the airport that we really do differently is we usually pre-board. Yeah. Um, and all we do is go up to the counter and say, you know, wave the white cane. Not literally, but, you know, say, hey, I'm blind. I'd like to pre-board. And usually, you know, my wife and if my kids are with us, they'll they'll all just pre-board. And that's really helpful because it gives me time to sort of walk a little slower, find the seat. You know, I have to wrap the cane up and put it wherever it is and, and get seated and that sort of thing. So if you pre-board... It can be helpful. It's not a have to. It's not a must. You don't have to pre-board. But that way, you have a little extra time. And on some airlines, you get to pick your seat. So yeah. <laughs> that's really well, beneficial. And pre-boarding, pre-boarding also saves time for the others around you. So part of it is just a courtesy to other people to be thinking about them so that we can get out of the way. Yeah, I think so. I agree. So, um, you know, the airport, it's a great thing. Now, if you're driving, again, that's a whole nother thing. You know, you're running the radio and and stopping for gas and it's a whole nother thing. But uh, I think probably riding in a car is going to be a little easier uh, just sort of in the surroundings in the airport. So just some things to think about as you're traveling and you're, you know, hopping on the plane and, and going wherever you are, uh, wherever your destination may take you. Speaking of destinations, we have been to quite a few, as we said. So let's just talk about a couple of these. We won't go into great detail, but talk about a couple of these that we've been to and how it has been affected with having a visually impaired person traveling with you. So uh, the first thing, well, we haven't been in quite a while, but the first thing we went to the beach quite a few years ago. Yep. And 
I can't remember a whole lot about it necessarily. I don't think there was a huge amount of issue necessarily with going to the beach. Um, it's one of those things where you don't want to drown, obviously. Um, I, I think it's probably more for the sighted supporter than it is for the visually impaired person having to keep an eye on things, especially if you have little kids. How old were our kids when we went to the beach? Do you remember? Our daughter would have been one and our son was probably four. Yeah, that sounds about right. So they were very little at this point. Yes. And so I think keeping an eye on the kids is always a challenge when you're visually impaired. Uh, but especially in like a beach setting where there's a you know huge amount of water, <laughs> you know, two feet away from you. Um, I can remember our daughter like, you know, playing in the sand and I'd stay close with her and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. then, you know, our son going out with you, uh, those sort of things. So do you remember much about the beach and was there any challenges that we had to face? Um. I think the biggest challenge at the beach was the stupid sand. Um, (laughs) It got into everything, which I'm sure all of you know how that goes. But um, no, I don't remember any specific challenges other than keeping an eye on the kids. And as I mentioned in our previous podcast, I mean, that's just part of what I do. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I always have one eye on each child, making sure that they're back from the water or if they're in the water, they're within an arm's length to me, um, making sure that they're safe and sunscreened up and all of that good stuff for the beach. <laughs> um, just a side note, I this vacation we did actually drive to. Mm, it was true. a 12-hour drive, mm-hmm. but we split it into two days. So we left one morning or afternoon. We left one afternoon and drove six hours, stayed the night in the hotel and drove the next six hours, and then the same thing on the way back. So... That was one way that we did break up the drive, but again, it added travel time on each end of the vacation. Driving was beneficial here because we needed a vehicle to be able to get around where we were going. Hmm. Um, Anytime we've ever flown before, we usually are going to a destination where we don't necessarily need our car for any reason, but here we did. So, And that's usually the way it is, I feel, at the beach. Yeah, and uh, we stayed with uh, somebody who lived just a little bit away from the beach. Not real far, obviously, you know, but enough that we had to drive to it. So we needed our vehicle. Now, obviously, driving six hours and staying the night, another six hours, it's not ideal, but that's what we ended up doing. And it worked well. And it worked. Yeah, it worked fine. There wasn't a huge issue. Um, So, yeah, the beach. And again, getting around the beach can be a little bit challenging, uh, especially if you're not uh, sure-footed, if you haven't been blind very long. That can be a little challenging. Sand is uneven and, and doesn't, you know... It, it doesn't consist like uh, concrete wood. It's so. all the same color. There are it's, no, yeah. there's no contrast. No contrast. Absolutely. So you're like, uh, where are we at here? Um, and especially like with the bright sun at a beach, yeah. that can wash things out. So you want to make sure to have as dark sunglasses as you can take. Um, but all just all those kinds of things, getting around, keep an eye on people. It's those kinds of things to remember when you go to the beach. Now, we'd still encourage you to go to the beach because it's a great place, but kind of keep some of those things in mind. Another destination you might be going to is something like a cabin uh, or a lake or something like that. We recently did that as well. Now, obviously, this presents a little bit different challenges. Um, You're going to have to learn the environment a little bit. I remember going to the cabin. Most cabins are not built for... you know, people with disabilities, I've, I've found like Very true. Uh, the stairs up to the cabin. Uh, there were some wooden stairs, but there were also some concrete stairs that weren't quite even. So you need to remember that if you're going to someplace like this, you're going to have to take a little bit to get used to the whole environment. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I noticed about this cabin we stayed in, it was beautiful. It was all wood and wood's all the same color. Yes. <laughs> 
So it was like, hmm, I don't know where this step is because it's the same color as the landing. Uh, again, very pretty, very nice, but those are the kinds of things you're going to have to sort of uh, understand as you're going into a place like that. Give yourself enough time when you get there to learn the different places. You know, have you and the sighted supporter walk around for five or ten minutes and just locate things. Like, okay, over here's the kitchen, over here's the bathroom, um, it's got two sinks, or here's the patio, or here's the de- whatever it is. Take your, you know, time to do that. And we kind of do that naturally. I don't think we specifically yeah. take the time, but we kind of do it naturally. And in, in relation to that, I think about when I'm unpacking things at the cabin, um, you know, putting things in cabinets and putting things in the bathroom with in the shower or on the bathroom sink or something like that, telling you where things are, like your toothbrush is on the right side, the shampoo is on the bottom left, or, um, you know, where I decided to put the food in the kitchen, things like that, so that you know where things are and you don't have to have me constantly finding things for you. Right, absolutely. So just kind of have that in mind when you go to someplace like this. And and again, outdoors, it could be a cabin. You could be camping, uh, going to a lake, climbing a mountain, whatever it is, sort of just outdoors. All the outdoor things, again, present its own challenges. And so if you are going outdoors, one, you probably might enjoy that, but keep in mind that if you're at the edge of a lake, if you're walking a trail, if you're climbing climbing a mountain, you always just want to keep in mind your environment. Be very aware of those sort of things just because it can have some issues that you haven't been ready for. Uh, Now, if you've plan to go to the mountains or to a cabin, you've probably done your research uh, in the planning phase that we talked about earlier. So just kind of keep that in mind as you get ready to go, because it can be a lot of fun. We just went and uh, we went with your parents and we got to ride on a tube, you know, pulled by a boat. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, the cabin had a, a pool table. Uh, we got to ride in a kayak and actually yeah. kayaking was a lot of fun. Um, I had never been in a kayak and I'm not a strong, I'm not a strong person in the water. Like that's not... <laughs> Water scares me just because it's like, oh, what if somebody's drowning and I don't see them and they can't yell because, well, they're drowning. So, you know, that's an issue for me. But the kayak was a lot of fun. We got to go out and kayaking gave me a sense of transportation uh, independently Mm -hmm. where you don't get that a lot when you're visually impaired. So something like kayaking, a rowboat, something like that. And we stayed together, obviously, you know, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, I I think you even enjoyed it. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. With the kayak, we were together as we went down, and then I stayed back. There were three of us, and two of you came back towards the shore before I did, and you just used the shoreline mm-hmm. as your guide, right? Yeah, I just used the shoreline. It was nice because, and like where the sun was, uh, depending on if it was on my right side or my left side, you know, that was a good indicator. Uh, go down the shoreline, all those things. And again, as I was going down through the water, I was paying attention to the environment. I was like, okay, the trees are on my left right now, and there's nothing on my right because it's really, really far to the other side, or uh, the sun's over here, or whatever, you know, the water's flowing this way. Really being hypersensitive to the environment. Again, I'm not saying you're going to hear better or anything like that. I'm just saying you're aware of the environment. So keep that in mind because, yeah, it was just uh, our son and myself, and we went back on our own. And he can see, and so I was confident that he would find his way back. But, you know, and he's good outdoors as well, so that was helpful. But uh, we had a lot of fun. You know, I, at one point I almost tipped over because we were racing, and I was trying to get around him, and I turned too sharp, and I was like, no, this isn't good. <laughs> so uh, but we had a lot of fun in the kayak. So all those things in the outdoors 
uh, can be a lot of fun. They can just present their own challenges. Absolutely. But, but that doesn't mean you don't do it. So try those things, go for it, and just think about the things we've talked about here if you go somewhere that's outdoors. Another thing that we got to do uh, outdoors was last year we got to go hiking. Now, this was just you and I. We did not take the kids. We took the kids once. Yes. I will say that. And we didn't go near as far on, on that no. trip. And it, I think that was more just because they were kids. It didn't have much to do with me as a visually impaired person. But when you're hiking, again, there's all kinds of unpredictability in the outdoors. That's the one reason I don't like the outdoors with other reasons like it's hot and there's bugs, but it's very unpredictable. I mean, you know, the outdoors just are like that. There are variables. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, grass grows and sticks fall and there's all kinds of stuff. So when we went hiking just on our own, it was more enjoyable because we could take time. We didn't have to walk quite as fast, although, you know, we still kept up a good pace. Uh, We tried a little more challenging trails and you were able to say, okay, there's rock coming up here, there's a pond, there's whatever, and give some guidance as we went along. And I'm not a hiker or outdoors, outdoorsman by any stretch of the imagination. So tack on top of that being visually impaired, and it creates its own challenges. So, uh, I mean, what what's your memories of that trip? How did it, how did it go for you as the sighted supporter? I thought it was a great trip. Now, back to when the kids were with us, it was, we went to the same park. Um, it was an enjoyable time, but making sure that the kids don't trip and fall over everything and being cognizant of what you're doing and where you are, that causes so much anxiety for me. So it was nice when it was just the two of us because I only had to worry about myself and you. And for the most part, you can take care of yourself. It's just if there's a log in the path or in this particular situation, it had poured rain the Mm. day before. So it was quite muddy. Um, There were quite a few puddles along the um, path. Um, There were creeks, um, little creeks running down through that we had to um, jump over at times. And like you took that all in stride and really this trip was for me because I am an outdoors person. I like to hike. I like to swim. I like to be outside. And so Derek was just doing this really for me at this point. So I was very grateful that he was willing to do that because he does not like to be outside. (laughs) Um, But it was a good trip because we were able to just worry about ourselves. There really weren't a whole lot of obstacles other than the little puddles and ladders that we had to climb because we actually did one of the hardest paths that was Mm -hmm. within the park Um, and it was a great path I mean it was a gorgeous day everything was wonderful Um, and it was just making sure that you didn't get into mud up to your knees I mean if you got a little muddy big deal that was kind of the point we were out there to hike you're going to get muddy you're going to get dirty Mm -hmm. but just making sure that you didn't fall and hurt yourself or you know fall in a creek or something and I do remember a couple of times you'd say like, okay, stand here and you're going to jump. And I would jump and right into the water. <laughs> you know, like, uh, Not quite that far. Yeah. It's like, uh, or, or it's a little farther or whatever. And each time it was kind of just like, well, this is what you do. You know, you're outdoors. Yeah. It's not like I'm like, well, uh, I need to go back. It's like, you're outside. This is what's going to happen. And so I think that's a good point to remember. First of all, you're going to have those times when it's just like you, you didn't jump far enough and you right. jumped in some water and things just happen. And the second thing to remember that she pointed out here is that, no, I don't like the outdoors. It's not my ideal trip. I'd love to go somewhere that's indoors. But 
you know, you, you it's not all about you. <laughs> That's what we tell our right. kids a lot of times. It's, it's not all about you. Like, this trip was for her. Did I enjoy myself? Yeah, I did. Is, is hiking my ideal thing? No, but I enjoyed being with her, and we had fun talking and just going different places and laughing when you jump in the mud or whatever. But other than that, you know, it's just that's the things you have to remember. It's not all centered around you and as a visually impaired person. Uh, you know, it's just not. And so you go out, you stretch your things. Obviously, I'm not going to go somewhere where we I have to drive a car or whatever. But there are things where look, hiking is somewhat sight related in the sense of like looking around at the, the scenery and seeing all kinds of different things. That kind of can be sight related. And like you said, it's very beautiful. It's a nice day. Yeah. But again, you can't get focused on, well, I'm not going to be able to see this. What do I care? It's like, well, you might not, but your spouse or your, um, you know, your family member or whatever, they might care. Uh, But at the end of the day, just go out and enjoy it, whether you're visually impaired or not. Right. And it's important for the sighted supporters to remember that we don't have to give up things just because the VIP doesn't appreciate it the same as we do. Mm -hmm. Because it happens the other way. Adaptations need to be taken for the VIP and so then the sighted supporter kind of gets lost in the shuffle or pushed to the background. But there's times where we can be the foreground. We can obviously have what we want and the VIP just kind of tail tail along as well. Well, and I think that's important to remember because we talked about how sometimes it's you experience anxiety as mm-hmm. a sighted supporter, whether you're on a trip or home or whatever. And it's important to self-care. And we talked about that before, too. But a vacation, uh, you know, taking a trip can be self-care. But if you never take the trip because you're like, well, this, the, you know, my spouse won't like it or my kids won't like it or whatever. It's like, well, yeah, but it's not always about them. Sometimes it is right. about you. So take those moments. Go on your vacation. Even if, you know, your spouse is like, uh, I'm not sure I'll like this. Like, well, suck it up because we're going to have it. We're going to do it. And again, you as the VIP might just enjoy it even if you think you won't because you're with your friends, you're with your family members, and that's really what it's all about. So I mentioned that we recently went on a trip to Disney World on our own, just you and I. Now, a lot of people are like, you're not taking the kids? It's like, no, Disney World was great without the kids. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've been twice with the kids, so let me go ahead and preface it with that. They've been twice. We'll probably go again someday in the future. But we had such a great time with just you and I on this trip. Absolutely. And some of it, this trip was not not necessarily just about you, but we were celebrating. You graduated uh, from college. You got your bachelor's degree, so we're celebrating that. And just, you know, all that sort of thing. And plus, uh, kind of anniversary as well. Our anniversary is in July, but we celebrate in June, that sort of thing. So uh, this trip was great. So I wanted to talk just a couple of things about that uh, because it, it is so recent in our mind. So obviously the prep work, you know, we decided we're going to go to Disney World. And going to Disney is a lot of prep work. Yes, you, it is. You have to be prepared. Now, some people are like, well, I don't want to be so like rigid. It's like, look, then don't go to Disney because you got to be prepared. Now, obviously, as we get into it, we'll talk. We had some nice spaces where we weren't overly prepared and had to do everything, but you do got to be prepared up front, planning your meals, planning your uh, you know fast passes for the rides, if you know what that is. A lot of things happen when you go to Disney, but we actually enjoy it because it gives us uh, some bookends, yes. you know, gives us some structure without it being overly structured. So I planned a lot of it uh, because she was working, going to school and that sort of thing. And so the planning of it as a VIP wasn't too bad. Disney's website's pretty good. It's it's pretty accessible. So uh, planning it and that sort of thing wasn't too bad. 
So then we, you know, went to the airport and we've talked about that already. Then we got to Disney and then we got to our room and we did the same thing. We walked through the room. We had a really nice room. We did. I think they upgraded us without telling us. So yeah. <laughs> that was really nice. Kudos to Disney. But we walked through the room. We, we saw everything. We made sure, you know, where everything was, um, you know. We had a big hot, or not, it wasn't a hot tub, but it was like a, you know, jacuzzi tub. tub. Yeah, and it was really nice. So we did that, and then we hopped on over to the parks. Now, I will say this about Disney World. It is huge. I mean, there's just so much all the time. So you can't possibly do everything. Right. You got to kind of plan out your day and just do what you can. Uh, So we at the parks, uh, first of all, walking just with you and I, was obviously easier than walking with kids. Absolutely. Uh, so, and then that's just even if I could see, you know, it would it would have been easier. Um, so, what what was it like getting around the different parks? What kind of things do you keep in mind as you, as we're walking? Because I don't have my cane in the park. I don't take it with me. I don't. It's a personal choice. You can certainly take it, and if you feel more comfortable with it, I encourage you to take it. I didn't. So, on your end, as a sighted supporter, what are the things kind of going through your mind as we're walking? Well, obviously, where you are at all times is the first thing on my mind. The other thing is the crowd, because Disney is a very busy place all the time. It really doesn't matter when you go. It's always crowded. Those are the two things that are on my mind, where you are and how crowded is it? Because if you aren't close to me, then it's very easy for you to lose sight of me. Usually you walk behind me and kind of keep me in your field of vision enough to keep up with me. Mm -hmm. And that's usually not a problem if we're not in a crowded area. So I have to make sure that you're close enough for me to weave in in and out of crowds and through people um, without losing you. Well, and I think that just navigating a busy place like that's hard enough, let alone when you have visual impairment. So you kind of just got to go for it, honestly. You know, you just got to start walking and hopefully you don't run into a bunch of people. And again, if you feel more comfortable with the cane, certainly take the cane because that can uh, part the waters at times, if you will. Now, the one thing that was nice about Disney was they have an audio description device that I was able to use at the different parks. I won't go into that in great detail here, but I did make a video talking about it, and I will link that in the show notes to this episode so you can hop on over there and check that out as well because it was uh, really, really nice. It was probably 9 out of 10. Uh, The battery was a little short at times. but (laughs) It was really nice because it gave me the ability to look around and and see what was going on without having to tell you everything that was going on. Because Mm -hmm. I find a lot of times when we're um, watching a show or we're walking through a park or whatever we're doing, I'm constantly telling you what's going on or what the scenery looks like and things like that. The audio description gave you that information. So I was able to actually just kind of take in things without needing to tell you about it. And one thing I found interesting was that the audio description said some things that I didn't even notice. So we were riding through one ride and Derek said, oh, is there a skeleton of a mermaid over here? And I hadn't seen it. I didn't recognize it on my own. And sure enough, there's the skeleton of a mermaid lying on the shore just to the left of the boat. So things like that, he's being told about things that I may not even see. We, there's a lot to take in visually on those attractions. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes it will help you, you know, find things that your sighted supporter didn't find. So <laughs> you're actually more able than they are in those moments. So it was really nice. Again, I'll link that video in the show notes so you can check that out. Because if you're going to Disney, uh, we'd highly recommend uh, you check that out. So at Disney, we did as many attractions as we could. We rode different rides. We saw different shows. Um, you know, we ate a lot of food. And it, it was funny because just as a side note, quick 12-second tangent, we ate 
a lot of food. We walked as much as we possibly could. I mean, we walked a ton, and I think we gained weight. Yep. So <laughs> I did. We ate so much food. It was, but it was so so good. And the reason I bring up food is because a lot of times we're like we focus as visually impaired people on what the negative thing will be. Well, I won't be able to do this or this. But the one thing you sure can do is eat some food because <laughs> it's it's amazing. There's so much good food, uh, whether it's Disney or other places. You got to enjoy the food because that's universal. Doesn't matter where you can see or not. So we had a ton, a ton of food. What's your favorite restaurant? Just as a side note to people, what what do you think your favorite? it was oh liberty tree tavern oh my gosh first of all I, I nobody ever seems to talk about this when i did like research liberty tree tavern it's in magic kingdom in the what uh main street area liberty or? square liberty square that's what it is obviously duh liberty square area and it has bar none the best pot roast i'd ever eaten it like literally melted in my mouth and i don't use the word literally lightly like it was just oh and then they had this pasta Mm -hmm. i don't know what they call it freedom pasta or something i think so something it was so good so good so if you're going to disney go to liberty tree tavern and oh so good so so good if you got any questions specifically about that let us know because uh we couldn't get enough That's our plug. Absolutely. So needless to say, we had a lot of fun at Disney, and we have a lot of fun when we go different places. We love to travel together with the kids, with or without the kids. Uh, (laughs) We've just done a lot of things, and we really, really, really enjoy it. So as we wrap up here, let's just kind of do a quick recap of a few things that we've talked about, kind of some tips to remember as you travel, uh, whether you're VIP, site of support, or whatever the case is. The first thing is to be as prepared as possible. And we talked about that. You know, you want to make sure that you've got everything. Even if you pack things that you may not need, you want to be as prepared as possible. Try to, you know, think about the things that you're going to face. Obviously, you can't prepare for everything, but try to be as prepared as possible. Next, don't feel like you have to do everything. You can only fit so much into one day, so don't feel like you have to get every ride in or visit every restaurant that was recommended to you or see every site that there is to see. When you do things like that, then you get very structured and scheduled and then it just stresses everyone out. Fourth, find some time to rest. Make sure that you take time out of your vacation to actually rest. This is a vacation after all. I mean, so many times we travel and we want to see everything that we can, but then you come home and you need a vacation from your vacation. So find some time to rest while you're gone. And finally, make sure to try new things. Whether you love Disney World, whether you like going to the beach, whether it's the outdoors, whatever it is, try new things. Even if it sounds scary, if it sounds like, I'm not sure about this. Uh, honestly, going hiking was a bit you know, nerve-wracking for me, but I tried it, I enjoyed it, and I'm sure I'll do it again in the future. So try new things, get out there, and just enjoy your time with your friends and your family. Well, honey, I think we provided a ton of great information for them today. Uh, any final words or thoughts as we close this out? Make sure to have fun. Absolutely. Have a really good time because that's really what it boils down to is just enjoying yourself, especially if you've recently lost your sight and you're going through a little bit of anxiety or struggles. Take this time to enjoy it. So, honey, thank you for being on the podcast today. My pleasure. And there you go, everyone, my wonderful conversation with my beautiful wife about traveling tips. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a lot of great information. She is chock full of good stuff. Hey, she makes all that possible that we can even go anywhere. So kudos to her. Thank you to her for joining me on the podcast today. 
Hey, if you listen to this podcast and you're like, man, I loved it, but I got some more questions. Well, hey, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at lifeaftersightloss.com and ask away. Let me know what are your thoughts. Like, hey, we're going on this trip. What do you think about this? Or should we try this? I'd love to help you out. And if it's a sighted supporter question, I'll pass it on to my wife and get an answer from her as well. So drop me that email, Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at lifeaftersightloss.com. wrap things up today on this episode, I want to close it out with our word of the week. Now, the word of the week is just one word to kind of wrap things up for us and maybe give us something to take away and go out and have a discussion with our friends and our family, even just something to think about on our own. Just one word for you. And today, our word of the week is experience. Now, this word is, I'm using it as a verb, and this word means to encounter or undergo an event or occurrence. To encounter or undergo an event or occurrence. Basically, it means you encounter something. You have an encounter with uh, someone or something, uh, whatever it might be. Maybe it's something simple like you go down the street and talk to your neighbor. Maybe it's something like you jump out of an airplane and go skydiving. Whatever it is, you're having an experience. All too often, we let something like sight loss hold us back and we don't get out there and try things like going to the beach or going to Disney World or whatever it might be. So I just want to encourage you today whether you're the visually impaired person who's scared and a bit nervous about going out and trying things, whether you're the sighted supporter who's like, I don't know how we're going to handle all this. I've got a lot more responsibility. Hey, don't miss out on great experiences with you and your family because those are the moments that you cannot just sort of make up in your home. Yeah, you can watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. Don't get me wrong, but those are the moments you can't replace. So go out and try some things and experience the world around you. And that is going to wrap it up for me this week. I always like to close out and remind you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so at lifeaftersightloss.com slash podcast. And if you would be so kind as to leave a rating and review, that would be so helpful as well. Also, if you're looking for a little more personal support on your journey of sight loss, I would love to help you out and start a coaching relationship with you. Hop on over to my coaching page at lifeaftersightloss.com slash coaching and sign up for a session and we'll get started helping you out in your journey of sight loss. And that brings us to the end of the Yellow Brick Road once again. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, as we close things out, that any information on this podcast and on lifeaftersightloss.com is intended for educational and informational purposes only. If you're in need of medical, professional, or legal advice, please seek out a specialist in your area. Thank you again for listening, guys. And until next time, remember that sight loss isn't the end. It's just the beginning. My name's Derek Daniel from lifeaftersightloss.com, and I'll see you in the next one.